All right, and welcome back to another round of Black Lodge, White Lodge, a game. Yes, a game of survival where you go up against the Black Lodge in attempts to make it to the White Lodge or maybe even beyond. We don't know. But what we do know is this. I only know two sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What we do know is this. If you are the winner of the Black Lodge, White Lodge game, you will receive one free month of Patreon at the Tardigrade Detective level. And that will give you access to all kinds of amazing bonus content. So thank you for playing along. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to get your name in for future rounds. And I think I did a pretty good job of summing up from where we left off last time. I think you did a great job. The only Thank thing you. missing is oh, we got to catch people. We got to catch people. We got to remind people who <sighs> is still in the running for this game of Black Lodge, White Lodge. So very true. Very true. We still have Dustin. We still have Jonathan and we still have Coral in the mix. And we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to find out what their fate is right now. Are you ready, Mel's? Oh, I am ready. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Spin that wheel. Ooh, okay. Oh my goodness. I'm sweating. I'm already sweating. I'm so excited. (laughs) I turned my fan on just because I knew we were doing this. All right. So. Jonathan. All right, Jonathan. You whisper something to Agent Cooper and then scream. An unseen force pulls you away. Where to? The next round. Way to go. All right. Okay. Down to two. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. My goodness. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. (gasps) Way to go, Coral. Okay, Laura Palmer herself says to you, you can go out now. Okay, don't cancel me for that very (laughs) terrible attempt to sound like I'm talking backwards. I thought it was great. But you do, and you move on. Whoa, way to go, Coral. So that means, that means, Dustin... You can't pay your Garmambosia debt, so the arm won't let you leave. Remember to always pay your bills and better luck next time. Oh, Dustin. Dustin, it's okay. Hey, like I said, get your name back in the running. Yes. Play another round of Black Lodge, White Lodge. Yes. Don't wait 25 years to come back. Play again soon. That's it for this week. We're down to two players. We are down to the final round when we return next week with more Black Lodge, White Lodge. Woohoo! I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. Not really here, but dreaming that I am. I'm Jasmine. 
taking my face off to reveal a wholesome white light. I'm Coral. And following human nature perfectly, I'm Melz. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering The Return Part 2, sometimes known as The Stars Turn and a Time Presents Itself, or as we're calling it, is it future or is it past? Listeners, there's no one we'd rather fall through non-existent with, so let's rock. This episode first aired on May 21st, 2017. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Well, as you heard in our intro, we have the lovely Coral from Wholesome Peaks joining us. Welcome back to the show, Coral. Thanks for having me back. Well, we're happy to have you back. It's been, it feels like it's been so long since you were here. What is the last episode? Did we, oh my gosh, we talked about Evelyn and James and that whole journey, didn't we? I think so. Yes. Oh my goodness. What a different point we're at. What did, what did you think of this episode? What are your overall thoughts? This episode has one of my least favorite scenes in the entire return. Um, And I'm really excited to start talking about that later. Okay. Um, Yeah. I love um, that you're so excited to talk about one of your least favorites. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Um, It's one of the least wholesome scenes, I I would say. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we got the James. James was always cool at the end. I was very excited about that. So excited to talk about this today. I guess we haven't come so far then. It's like kind of a full circle moment. We had you on a big James episode in season two, and now we're learning some straight facts about how cool he's always been, so... Straight facts. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, what about you, Mel's? What do you think of part two? Oh, I love it, of course. I'm eager to hear if my least favorite part is the same as yours, Coral, because um my first time through, I had a difficult time with some things that were in this episode. And in it I felt the same way the second time through. But overall, I I'm going to be very hard pressed to probably say I don't like any of these episodes of The Return. So, of course, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I love it. And I just love how, uh, like, Mr. C heavy this episode is. I, I, I told everyone on the last episode, I don't know what it is about Mr. C, but he is getting this motor running <laughs> for me on the second time he around. He is really okay? lighting your fire this Arr- time. So anyway, yeah, loved it, obviously. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I mean, same, Mel's. I don't think there's going to be an episode where I'm like, well, this one has a lot of, you know, really rough gut. Like, it's just not going to be like that for the return. They're all going to be, to borrow a phrase from talking backwards, they're all going to be five foreheads for me from here on out. Uh, This episode in particular, though, I love all the Red Room stuff that we get. I mean, I just love that space in The Return. So I love all the time that we get to spend there. And you know what I realized? So last week I said, you know, the opening opening um, or the first the first note of the Twin Peaks theme song made me cream my jeans. And I know I think it's a it's a jeans creamer because it makes you wait for it. Right. Like we get all that weird sort of noise, the setup, the act, like the strange sounds, whatever, and then it comes in. And I feel like this whole season just gets off on withholding and I'm super here for it. Every minute of it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. You're right. Because even after the electricity sound, you, yes. you still have like two seconds of silence before it kicks in. And so, I mean, in the words of Prince, cream, baby. Cream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so gross. Amazing. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, once again, no damn fine facts this week. So we are free and clear to head into the episode. We're going to start with Bill and Phyllis as they confront each other about their personal life. And Phyllis is surprised by a visitor. I love opening with Matthew Lillard, first of all. And I love how many emotions he goes through in this scene. He starts off really hopeful when he sees his wife, right? And then he kind of moves into this place of vulnerability when he's like, I wasn't there, but I dreamt that I was there, which I think we should talk about as well. Then he moves into like this raging anger. And then it's like a deep terror, a deep despair. And Matthew Lillard is so great at taking us on that little journey throughout that scene. Yeah, I mean, hello. Do I have to remind you about feeling a little woozy? I mean, like. <laughs> I got those vibes. When he gets to the raging so anger many. part, I get stew vibes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's face it, Sid. Your mom's no Sharon Stone. Like, <laughs> and you can feel like everything in Bill Hastings in this moment, right? Like, he knows his truth, and there that's why he's hopeful. And then obviously Phyllis shits on him big time. And so then he gets scared and then he gets angry because he's like, I don't know, maybe one or two affairs, which I died. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. And how maybe I another one. <laughs> and maybe another one. And he even had the finger like Stu, too. I'm sorry. I don't mean to always just be talking about Scream, but that's like where I fell in love with him at. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like. Bill Hastings, he just is the embodiment. Uh, Matthew uh, does such a great job with him. I love it. Yeah, he really does. He does such a great job. And I just, I love Matthew Lillard so much. I don't know if you follow him on TikTok, Mouse, because I know you were on TikTok. Yes. He is just complete chaotic energy. And it is so <laughs> funny. And it really shows in Twin Peaks. He's just as chaotic outside of acting as he is in his oh, personal I love life. That. Okay, so let, let's talk about this thing that he tells Phyllis, though, which, you know, like, Classic excuse. It's up there with the dog ate my homework. I wasn't there. I just dreamt I was, right? You know, no big deal. But obviously, I mean, I think his fingerprints are there for real because he was having an affair with Ruth, right? So oh, yeah. there was going to be no easy way to cover that up. But I also believe him in this moment when he says he wasn't there that night, but he dreamt that he was. Like, Melz, you and I talked last week about how in the interrogation scene, he played it so well where you really weren't sure, was he responsible for this murder? Was he not responsible for responsible for this murder? But here, I really do believe that he wasn't there, but he was dreaming that he was. And I think that's super important. Like, we can even just think back to Coop's dream about the Red Room, a place that very much became real. I, so I wish I had rewatched episode one today. I watched episode two twice today, and I wish I had rewatched it because watching it just episode two, I started to think that maybe Bill Hastings was responsible, but it was like a possession type thing. Mm -hmm. But then that whole thing with his wife and Mr. C, I just don't know. Because yeah. there's, there's so much more there to it than just a Leland Palmer type ordeal. So I don't know. Well, I agree. And so Phyllis has obviously been working with Mr. C. 
Which at first I was like, maybe she planted his fingerprint somehow on behalf of Mr. C. Like this is some sort of setup that way. But also the line, you follow human nature perfectly, that has always sat with me and I've never known exactly how to take that. But this time around, when he shoots her, does it look to you like something comes out of her when he does that? Like a red blobby thing is like coming out. So like, was she being possessed by something? Coral, you triggered my memory on that by saying something to do with possession. but. I mean, yeah, like it's such a weird effect when he gets or when she gets shot. Yeah, there's definitely obvious, like an obvious glitch when it happens. I mean, that's like, but yeah, there's something coming out of her. It's like, it's not the same as I felt like when Wyndham's soul got snatched, but it was this fleeting image where I was like, wait a minute, did I see that? or not I mean what's real what's not like I just I don't even want to go there with that right now but I agree like is he saying that you like embody this perfectly because he does not know what that is or is he saying that because like you just said she you know is a a a spirit herself or something and Gosh, I could go down a rabbit hole forever about this because it would be like who, what, when, where, and why, right? Like what are the questions surrounding like why Phyllis, why this, why that? But it's always been, I guess, a a flip side to me or like a 50-50 maybe Mm -hmm. where I'm like, maybe he just doesn't know. And he's like, you are what I imagine a human would act like. I don't know. It's just, it's odd. Or is he saying like, you've done such a great job being... A human pretending that you're human yeah 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 so but i have to tell you though this gunshot wound to phyllis <gasps> is the exact same gunshot wound as ruth yes yeah right through the eye and then the even the and that's how i've come to the conclusion that mr c had to have been responsible for ruth because even I don't know if it's like the gun, the bullet, I don't know, but even the eye hole itself, like the way that it's split open, that's so gruesome. But uh, it even looked the exact same as Ruth. Like it was just, it wasn't the same eye, I don't think, but nonetheless, the wound was exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and then we shouldn't leave this scene without saying that there was a man or something a couple cells down from Bill that just is absolutely shocked by recent events. Like his eyes were as wide as I've ever seen eyes in my life. (laughs) So he is just floored that Bill is in this cell. Oh, he has blown straight (laughs) out of the way. I mean, um... Literally blown right off the screen. He's blown straight up the way and just his head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we move on to Vegas where Roger receives some sage advice in Sin City. This establishing shot feels as bizarre as the New York City one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Stock photo, stock footage. Vegas does not look like that. I got married there in 2008 and it did not look like that. So no. Yeah. But anyway. So who, who got the job guys? Who's she and what job did she get? This is why I'm so mad at myself for, I watched episode two twice, but I didn't watch episode one. And when it comes to Twin Peaks, the return, it's really important to know what happened because everything is so (laughs) 
out of like everything happens at weird times. So yeah. I almost answered who I thought it was, but then I was like, I don't think that character had been introduced yet, but I don't know. Cause I haven't seen episode one because things aren't linear. So I have to be very careful about what I say on this episode. I mean, I can always cut it out. I, okay. I mean, for me right now, I'm just wondering if it's Tracy. We talked last week about whether or not Tracy was given a job. If somebody sent her to do something. So that's my, that's the first person on my mind right now. That is a great thought. That is not who I was thinking, but that is way better of a thought okay. than what I was thinking. I like it. Because... I, have, I have more to say about it later too. When we, when okay, we revisit say, Tracy and we Sam a little bit. obviously see Tracy again. Yeah. yeah so. Um, I just love this whole scene, though, when how we're dealing with hers and hims and people like that. There's no names ever said. There's not there's no answers given. It's a totally like it's just a very cryptic conversation. And I love that because we could guess for days. It might not be Tracy. There's a zillion other she's in this series that it could be. And even though exactly. I think Mr. Todd is probably working for Mr. C, who knows? And it's only because well, they're talking about team. how bad he is. You never want a person like that in your life. Who have we seen that's like that? Mr. C. But there's probably some other bad mm-hmm. dudes that we could, you know, make it out to be. But that's yeah. true. I mean, poor Roger, like this kid. I mean, he's got ramen noodle hair. And <laughs> I am just like, sweetie, like, get out of here. Like, if I was working anywhere and someone said that and I knew obviously what Roger already knows where he's like Mr. Todd why are you you know doing like having dealings with this person I would be like I'm gonna have to peace out okay like he looks very young and um yeah Roger please get out of there before it's too late because I have a feeling that like I think it is whoever this person is, I was about to say whoever this person is is already obviously in Todd's life which makes them already in Roger's life so Correct. all right Mr. C lays down the law with Ray and Daria has Jack enjoy some spaghetti Ray's the funny guy of the group eh he's really really cementing himself as the funny one in the group <laughs> oh. fuck Ray <laughs> I hate him you know, it's like everybody loves, I know that it's Raymond, but I'm like, uh, everybody hates Ray. Okay. Like, even I was Jack for looks him. like, I, I don't know. Even Jack looked like he didn't want to be sitting next to him. He just was like, God, let me just gum down this spaghetti and get the hell out of here. Jack but, doesn't um, have any brains. There's literally noodles in his fucking head at this point. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't talk about him like that. Did you like Jack more than you like Ray? Ray has lines. Ray has a personality. Jack eats spaghetti. <laughs> Jack is an innocent bystander in all of I this. I do not think he is innocent. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh He's gosh. actually the guy that's hiring everyone. Mm. Oh, what a twist. There you go. He's the mastermind behind everything. <laughs> Oh my That's gosh, why Mr. Can you C has to take him out later. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, nobody's innocent in this. Even Mr. Jack with no teeth. Mr. So Jack. Uh, I, I did put in my notes, okay, Mr. C, oh, we get it. You don't need you want. Okay. Like, how he was many very times adamant, did that mean? Yeah. Ray's stupid. It might have taken repeating <laughs> twice, but we don't need a four-timer here okay like we get does it, he Mr. say C. it four times 
I don't know, but I just was like, enough. We got it. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. I thought he said it once and then I'm watching it. I'm like, did I accidentally like repeat the, like, did I press rewind on accident? I'm looking at my computer. I'm like, how many times has he said this? Yeah. So this is what I put. It was like, want, not need information. I don't need Ray. I want. He said it again. And then I put, okay, you don't need anything. You want it. Got it. Well, clearly it's very important. We should remember it. VIP. Yeah. VIP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We also, Ray needs to mind his own damn business. So that was a great line. I I loved it. I honestly, as I was watching, I was like, Mr. C got a little jealous of Ray stepping into funny guy territory. He needed to reassert, like, I'm, I'm the every guy in this party. Okay. He had to punch him back down. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. Mm -hmm. And then I thought this line about she's Hastings secretary. She knows what he knows. It just reminded me a little bit of like Diane and what Diane would know about Cooper. Yeah. All righty. Margaret and Hawk speak again and Hawk returns to Sycamore Grove. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Main thing I wanted to say here is it was such a nice callback to for me to the end of season two with the flashlight work in the woods like yes when total window vibes oh i loved it like all you could see was just a small circle of the flashlight and and it had the music chaotic yes and it's so chaotic in the woods and oh you know i love the woods it's my favorite like thing about twin peaks so just this whole sequence before you really even realize that it's Hawk, like my heart was racing because I was like, oh my God, now who, now who's wandering around the woods at Twin Peaks, you know? But so I think this scene feels like it's out of place. Apparently, well, not apparently. I mean, I read it, so I don't know why I'm saying apparently, but I read an interview allegedly. with Mark Frost. Allegedly, I read today. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's an interview with Mark Frost that I will put in the show notes where he says that it is not any kind of flash forward or whatever, whatever. Like, it's just happening when it's happening, but I think he's a fucking liar. Hawk says, something's supposed to be happening here tonight. Well, what do you mean? Like, when is tonight? What's supposed to be happening? You just reopened this case. Actually, you haven't even started. Like, if we're going linearly... You got a call from Margaret. You told Lucy and Andy about it. Is it then the same night before you guys even get the coffee and donuts and bust out the case files the next morning? To me, it feels like it's not happening in sequence with the last time we saw Hawk. Just putting it out there. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with that because I'm going to be honest. I didn't understand why Hawk was out there. Like, obviously, we know what. Oh, my God. He's going to one of those parties that Wyndham was going to. He said something's supposed to be happening out here tonight. We saw the puddle of charcoal toothpaste. He (laughs) was going to one of the Glastonbury Grove raves that everyone's talking about. Okay, never mind. This had nothing to do with the investigation. He was just going to party. (laughs) All right. He's going to borrow a costume. He's going to meet a horse. Um. Well, yeah, no, I mean, like, obviously, like, you could tell something was happening with, you know, like, the lodge, because, like, at the end of season two, when it opened and Cooper went in, like, that's really what we were seeing here with hawks coming upon the sycamore trees as well. But it doesn't feel like it's at the right point in time for this to be happening, because we don't even know what Margaret's 
Log is even talking about at this point. We don't know. Like, we know... We know what she said about Cooper being, you know, it has something to do with Cooper being missing, but we don't know anything past that. And then obviously when we go through the rest of the episode, I mean, I know that I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the Lodge stuff is nonlinear in general. Like, I don't think you can place a time or anything on anything that happens in the Lodge. It's just space. It's just nothing but that. Yeah, but if it's Cooper's time to go and do whatever to get out of the Lodge, just based on what we saw the chain of events at the end of season two with how Cooper got in there, it would seem like that would be when he's cut, when he would be coming out of the lodge. And it doesn't feel like it's that point. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Kind of all around there. No, I, all of it was great on board. In the lodge, Cooper sees old and new faces. This is such a great sequence. The fact that we get, is it future is or is it past again? And then we get it twice in this scene and the whole doubling up of the sequences. I mean, it's just, this is what I was talking about in my overall thoughts. Like, I love being in this space. I love how weird it is. I love how you can make a perfectly understandable story out of what's happening, but it's also just really bizarre and you can just like tap into the weirdness of it and just enjoy, just enjoy it for that fact too. It's great to see Laura Palmer again, or is it? Who is it? <laughs> Another I who really like don't know. I. <laughs> I really don't know this time around. I like know, I'm really leaving my mind open and welcoming to all theories. Like I really just don't know. And I don't want to be like, oh, her hair's short and that's what makes it different. But like, it does so well I mean she even says when he says are you Laura Palmer which I think I might be thinking about it way too much and now I am like stuck I feel like I'm in the non-existent in my head (laughs) but are you Laura Palmer I was like Cooper do you not remember what she looks like I mean okay (laughs) but then she says I am dead I am dead yet I live yeah and then like you know, she goes through the whole, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. Well, who are you? I am Laura Palmer. Yeah. I mean, I just was like, okay, who are you? <laughs> well, who and so much of you? that is like, I love that the lead in is, is it future? Or is it past? Hello, Agent Cooper. Sometimes I feel like I know her, but my arms bend back. We've heard all of that before from another figure that was maybe Laura Palmer. Because even in that scene, we're never given confirmation that that is Laura Palmer, long hair and all. So Uh, not totally related, but I found out over Christmas, I didn't go to Christmas with my husband's family, but my mother-in-law told my husband, Christian, that she had started Twin Peaks and that she was slowly Mm -hmm. getting through it. But I realized she she's watching it on Showtime. So this is what she's watching right now. She pulled a mouse. Okay. She yeah. pulled a total mouse. Yeah. And so I watch these Red Room theme. Yeah, the Red Room stuff. And <laughs> I think about how she's so kindly trying to watch it to understand what I'm into. Oh, that is really yeah. sweet. I kind of love that journey for her, though. Let her watch that and then go back to the original if she wants. Like, that's kind of fun. I'm here. Yeah, we'll her. just let it be. Christian yeah. never it's corrected ki- her, so. It's kind of fun. Yeah, very confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I did the same thing and I was like, what the f 
fuck is this? But like, honestly, like, we don't have that many more answers. We just know who people no. are. And we can just be excited by certain things because we're like, oh, what do you think? Do you think that connects? Do you think that means that? So, I mean, there's a little – there's, like, that layer of enjoyment. But I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't know why the white horse all of a sudden appears. The only time we've ever seen that before is with Sarah Palmer. So why is it here right now? What's going on with that? So we get a new whisper. Right? Like, we had the original Laura, quote-unquote Laura, whispering to Cooper. We did find out what that meant or what she had said. Now we have this new whisper, which makes Cooper look utterly terrified. Whatever she says, he looks so, so lost, Mm -hmm. so terrified, so taken aback. And then she screams. They see something. She screams, and she is sucked away. And for some reason, the way that Cooper then looks back down, like, I mean, I know that they're filming in weird ways, then playing things backwards then and doing all of these things to make the Red Room have that weird vibe, right? But for some reason, this time around, the way that he looks back down after all of that, it made me think that all of that was in reverse. Like, the first thing that actually happened is Laura Palmer coming down, screaming, whispering to him, and then they have that conversation. If that makes sense. Ooh. And I don't even know what that would mean. Like, I don't know that that changes anything or adds anything. It's just the movement of their bodies. I was like, something here is reversed too. And then we go back yeah. into, is it future or is it past? And we're into this whole new conversation. And it's just, it's just yeah. glorious. <laughs> I personally think she whispered, Cooper. I can suck my own dick. I don't know if you know what Hot American Summer or not, but. Are you kidding me? Do I know what Hot American Summer? Stop it. I'm sorry, but all I could, for some reason, that can just popped up into my head. That's so stupid. I I love that can. But I was like, why are you thinking about this? (laughs) Yeah, that's a weird place for your brain to go during Red Room, but okay. Oh, okay. All right. Let me focus back on this. Um, I want to know what she's whispered now and if it's continuous, because like you said, with Mike saying, is it future? Or is it past? Or how about this? How, what if it's always present? Which that mm-hmm. sounds really stupid because we literally are always present. Like we're always in the present in real time. But is there a, a future and a past at all in this space? In terms of time, I don't think it's anything that we could point to in the quote unquote real world and be like, this is what it would be like there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think we could possibly fathom how anything works in that space. We can right. we so can look at what's been given to us in the in the story and make our own minds up about things. But I mean, yeah, is it future or is it past to me has always meant like it's just always. That's exactly right. Like, yeah, like there, I don't feel like there is a future and a past at all in this space. There is, but they're both and they're at the same time. And yeah, (laughs) which would make it the present. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then it looks like Coop, you know, Laura says he can go out now or 
I think she, yeah. Or and then he's like, yeah, when can did. I go out? Whatever, blah blah blah. So Mike is beckoning Coop over to the curtains, and it looks like it's really hard to get out of the chair. Which like relatable after you've been in a chair for so many hours in one day, you know? Yeah, relatable content alert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you guys, we get to meet the coolest fucking thing ever of all time ever in the evolution of the arm. I mean, all it is is some old chewing gum on some branches and it's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I am the arm and I sound like this. (laughs) Like somebody slurping (laughs) a straw. I mean, where, where does an idea like that come from? Just complete night terrors. I I can only imagine. Yeah. Or it's a sleep paralysis demon. Uh, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. I mean, and to me, it does have vibes of the sycamore trees outside in Glastonbury Grove. So that feels of a piece with this whole space. But what is the what is the gum? I mean, it's like a central hub of electricity in a way or like it reminds me of the central nervous system. I like going with the gum because it's funnier. But it does give me, you know, because electrical impulse or electrical pulses makes the brain work. So I think sure. it's it's probably just a central nervous system. But also, I'd rather it just be that gum that you like is coming <laughs> back in style. I mean, can it be both? the The central nervous system could be like that, like hub of a nervous system could just be coated in a thin layer of gum. There you go. Why not? Perfect. It's du- the duality of Twin Peaks. You can be gum and you can be a nervous system. That's right. That's exactly That's right. right. I was just going to say it, and it happens to be the gum that Margaret balled up and, <laughs> and threw on the wall at the double R. So, hey, listen, it's everything all in one, okay? This show is so <laughs> eco-friendly, reducing, reusing, recycling wherever possible. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, But... I just, I still to this day wonder why the man from another place evolved into this. I'm just wondering why some, yeah. something that w- once was a person now looks like a tree with a gum brain on top of it. So I wonder, because it is interesting. Oh my God, wait, the head is the central nervous system brain type thing. Because even though the body looks like a tree, it does also look like all of like your like your the veins, veins. Well, yeah, but the but when they when they show a central yes. nervous system, they show those parts that all the electrical impulses flow into, like your fingertips and your your toes and things like that. So, like, yeah, it's a tree, but it's also all of those things that float around in your yeah, body. I dig that a lot. I've lost my mind. No, I love I that. I should have never gone back to the return. <laughs> this is precisely why we're well here. I left enough alone. <laughs> I actually love the idea that you're looking closer at why this evolution would have happened because I've just, I've never thought about that. I guess I've known the outside of Real the show life. reasons. Yeah, sure. like the actor wasn't going to come back. It was a cool tie-in for them to, you know, latch onto that line of the next time you see me, I won't be me, even though that could be that you were seeing the arms doppelganger the next time. But isn't it cool that it's not him? He did actually change. But it it has always been interesting to me that the Lodge spirits look like humans. And so what if they only take on human form 
for us. Like that's how we see them. That's how Cooper sees them. That's how anybody who goes into the lodge sees them. But the arm was like, fuck it. I'm gonna be me. And this is me. Be me. <laughs> it's like the good place. It's like the skin suit. Yes. He was like, I'm not wearing my skin suit anymore. I don't care what anybody fucking thinks of me. It's 20. Oh, it's 20. God. Whatever. New year, new me. <laughs> Donna got to change. The arm gets to change. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Very good. We've solved the mystery. We've solved the mystery. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, and then obviously, you know, the arm tells him that he must come back in before you can go out. So the Mr. C's got to come that, back in. Yeah, he, right. Yeah. Mr. C continues with his nefarious plans, which include a relaxing yet deadly face massage. <laughs> what the fuck, Listen, guys? What the fuck? I don't know, but I totally forgot that that's how he killed Jack. I'm here to tell you at first I was like, that looks very relaxing. Like I might ask somebody to give me a face massage tonight. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, Jack's dead. (laughs) So yeah, it's just massage his soul right on out of him. (laughs) (laughs) A not happy ending. I don't know. I just was like, yeah, whatever the opposite of that is. That's exactly what Jack got. (laughs) I guess it has vibes of. The scene where Maddie is being murdered, just hands over faces in that way. But I mean, aside from the fact that he just kills him softly with his fingers, I don't know what's happening. How do you read this, Coral? Softly with his fingers. Sorry, (laughs) Coral, go ahead. I think that it's probably not the worst fate you could have with Mr. C. Yeah. I'm glad he got his spaghetti. Three plates. Yeah. His last dinner. His last dinner of spaghetti. I love it, though, also that it actually wasn't really that obvious that he had killed him until he told Daria and caught her later in that lie because it really just looked like he hypnotized him and put him into a trance yeah. and then left mm-hmm. and left him there. And then you realize that he's killed him. But it's like he didn't fall over dead like he was just standing there. So it's almost like he pulled his like literally just like pulled his soul out of him and left the body just standing there. It was very creepy. It's terrifying. Yeah, if you're going to have to go away on Twin Peaks, especially for Mr. C, I'd rather just like have a face massage that takes my soul out. Like that's that's the better way to go. I agree. Massage me into oblivion. I mean, it's way better than what is about to happen. So. Oh, yeah. This is what I don't like. I don't know if this is what you were talking about, Coral, but. It is still very difficult to watch. I don't know if it's the sound. I don't know if it's the brutal way that he kills Daria, but I am just, oh, I really, really tough scene. Yeah. Anything that's like hitting somebody's face until they're unconscious or dead, it Mm -hmm. just really evokes like this reaction in me. And I, especially don't like it because it's a man doing it to a woman. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is just, it was very difficult. And she's so vulnerable. She's, you know, she's in her underwear, you know, she's as vulnerable as she can get in this situation. That's what I especially don't like about it. And, you know, I really tried to examine that feeling within myself today because there's a lot of nudity and there's a lot of similar things in Fire Walk With Me. And I'm not as 
I don't dislike it, whereas I dislike the way that this is written and handled. And I think it's because, first of all, like Coral just said, she's in her underwear. I mean, it's so sexualized for no fucking reason other than Mr. C equals bad. Like, we know that. We didn't need the confirmation. And in Fire Walk With Me, the women that we see scantily clad, we know them. We know who they are. They are 3D, full, nuanced characters. Daria didn't speak until this scene. And we don't know this girl. So she's literally just a red shirt, but in lingerie. And it feels really cold and hollow and empty. And I I expect better from David Lynch and Mark Frost, honestly. Yeah. I know we just talked about someone else getting shot in the head. Like, you know, we weren't not like super seriously, like the way we talked about it. But there's something about someone getting shot in the head point blank that I I can't do. It's one of the reasons why I couldn't get past the first episode of Ozark or The Wire, because I just can't with people getting shot in the head. It's one thing if it looks like a if it's glitching out and it looks almost like an alien blaster like it did in the other scene. Yeah. But this one, just watching her get shot in the head and just, you know, lifeless right after that, it just I have to turn my head away from the scene almost every time I watch it. Yeah. And the smoke coming out of her. I was like, okay, like, yeah, I I guess it's supposed to do that. It's supposed to get a reaction out. Like it's supposed to make you like, like you said, Jasmine, we know that Mr. C is bad, but I don't know if this was just like, let's show exactly how cruel and everything that he, he really is. I think it was unnecessary. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm, you know what? Like that, that might've been what it was. I don't know. Maybe, but I want to compare it to a scene in Fire Walk with me where Bob is raping Laura and it's still handled better than this scene. There's a purpose yeah. to it. It ha- it furthers the plot. It doesn't feel cheap. And for me, this is just Mr. C murdering something. Like it's so unnecessary to anything. Their conversation yeah. is great. I love the information we get. Like we're hearing the name Jeffries, right? We see the card that has that symbol on it. There's so much that is great in their back and forth, but the the actual murder is just like, it's to me, it's bad writing. And that's hard for me to say because that doesn't really happen on this show. I mean, the closest I've come to like really shit talking Twin Peaks is when Diane Keaton got behind the camera. So, (laughs) and that's a much different world. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I don't disagree at all. I, I, I think for me, I'm trying to find some reason behind it. Just like how, when we talked about censored, you know, Mr. Tajamara, or we talked about the civil war. I mean, I, I'm just trying to, in some way, make sense of why it needed to be so unnecessarily cruel. We get, we are, we don't even really need to know. We know Bob, Mr. C is bad news bears we don't need all this you know so yeah it was just like an extra layer that we just didn't need and it was the eighth layer of a seven layer dip you know what I mean like (laughs) unnecessary Coral I'm assuming that this is the scene that you hate okay so this is the scene that was is hard for me to watch it's one of the scenes that that is the most hard for me to watch but we're about to come up on the scene oh, that I that okay. I hate. Okay. Oh, Fair I know what you're talking about. You know. Okay, well, you know. Yeah, we're That's getting funny. It's I all feel lumped like in together. If it's the it's same all... thing, then I feel like I love it. <laughs> but we'll oh my see. god! Please I hate please, it, Jasmine. Please tell me it's not. 
Well, we'll see. Okay, we'll well, see. Let, hold on one moment. Well, let's just, yes, like you said, we got some good information. Obviously, Daria got caught in a lie because she said she was talking to Jack. And Mr. C was like, no, I killed Jack. So you were talking to Ray. Here's an updated tape recorder, which I thought was great that he had like the updated version of, you know, what Cooper was talking to Diane. Yeah, on. it's it's a really cool <laughs> connection. But this is like serious dark magic because he was recording that phone call somehow. And he already knows like he was listening in, even though part of that phone call was going on as he was walking in the motel room. Like oh, his yeah. powers are crazy. I love it. Oh, yeah. He's amplified. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And then, yeah, so he gets out his little transmitter and he thinks he's dialing up old Jeffries. But uh, basically, I kind of screamed at the TV, though, and I was like, there's no way that in this short amount of time, Ray has ended up in the fucking federal penitentiary. Obviously, then Mr. C3 sees through it as well. And I've obviously already seen this but I don't recall everything so I felt very proud of myself because I was like oh don't fall for that there's no way Ray's already gotten into the you have to get caught then you have to have an arraignment then you have to go to jail then you have to have a trial there's no way that Ray's in the federal penitentiary <laughs> just but this is why I told you I'm losing my mind. I don't know if it's no, from binging, I, like I want to talk more about that jackets. later too honestly <laughs> It feels yeah, feels very <laughs> fast. It feels like a setup. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And then I, I do have a question. Like, whose ID does he hack into the DOJ with? Because here's the thing. It can't be Cooper's because that would give a hit into the database that Cooper is somewhere still accessing the files. So is he just hacking in in some other way? Or like... Has he fabricated some credentials? Like, I think he's just hacking. Okay. Then we get to the nastiest scene ever where he finger bangs um, Chantal. And that's, that's it. That's, that's what I get. (laughs) Okay. All right. Tell me why you hate it. It's gross. It's so gross. And when he's like, what's the exact line? He's like, you're nice. You're nice and wet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Christian, he'll go around saying that all the time just to upset me. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll just be like making dinner and he's like, you're nice and wet. And I'm like, can oh, you stop? Can God, you stop right now or are you getting a divorce? Like, <laughs> just because he knows it'll get a rise out of me. I know that I'm crude. I know this. I know that I've talked about, we've talked about cream and pants. We've talked about Mr. C could get it all day long. I will smash Matthew Lillard. I do not want to see i think it's the duality of what just happened i think this is why i hate it so much is the fact that he just in two rooms down took a very vulnerable scantily clad woman extracted information beat her and killed her and then he comes over here and finger bangs chantal i'm like you're nasty you're nasty you're nasty Uh, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't know. I think it's funny. I think it's a really funny line, actually. And I just, I wrote in my notes, she probably just heard the Twin Peaks theme music. That's why she's so wet. I mean, the joy. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's also consensual. So to me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. They're here for it. Let her fuck this weird entity. Good for her. Sure, sure. But 
she's holding herself up. So it's almost like, is he like checking her crevices like a body search no. before you go into prison? Like, is he like, let me see if you've got some recording devices in your cooch? I don't know, but I was like, get it off my screen. Gross. <laughs> she's too wet to be hiding anything. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you, Mills. I'm crude too. I'm extremely crude, but this scene just gets me. <sighs> Channeling Cindy Lauper, the evolution of the arm prepares Cooper for his departure. And if you don't get that, I'm saying because he said time and time again. <laughs> oh no, I got it immediately. It was fantastic. <laughs> and now we have to do something with the red room and Cindy Lauper. Like that has to come yeah. to life somehow. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, all I, I've got Cooper still fucking around with the arm because that's basically what's going on here. Yeah, and we're kind of getting, like, more loop-type stuff. You know, we got the double is-it-future-is-it-past thing in the previous scene. This time we get time and time again. Let's move Let's move through the curtains with Coop. I mean, he's he's almost figuring things out. It does seem like Mike took some time to teach him how to use these curtains. But uh, then, and then he runs into Leland, which, what a strange appearance for Ray Wise to make. Like... Just come on set and say, find Laura. Backwards. (laughs) I I love that shot when Cooper is trying to find his way through the curtains. And then he just sees this like burst of electricity. And then it's like he moves through the curtains. You guys remember that shot that I'm talking about? It looks so cool because obviously we can't see the curtain that's kind of closest to the camera. So it ha- it just has the coolest effect. And it's like, obviously something about that. I mean, I was going to say it sends him in the right direction, but actually it sends him in the very wrong, very bad, very scary direction. But clearly mm-hmm. where the lodge was like trying to get him to go. And then honestly, in my notes, I just have in capital letters like this is so fucking cool because something about that Venus statue turning into the arms doppelganger and then everything shaking and like the floor coming apart. I swear there was like all those sounds combined sounded sort of circusy in a way. And it felt like it was just things were going crazy and haywire and it was just such a good sequence. Yeah. 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 Earlier. When I forget now what Mel's was talking about, but your incredible exploration a couple minutes, hours, days, whatever, a little while ago when we were talking, uh, you made me think, okay, so in this scene before shit goes crazy and Cooper is, you know, banished to non-existent by the arms doppelganger, he looks out the curtain and sees Mr. C driving. Oh, it was last seen in the Red Room when we were just talking about how Time is, what is time? It's a flat circle. The present is the past is the future is the now is the everything. Is Mr. C driving happening then at the same time that Tracy gets into the room with Sam? I would think so. Uh, Yeah, well, I don't, it has to be and it doesn't. But But do New York City and Buckhorn, South Dakota have that much of a time difference? Well, it's in mountain time. That would be a two hour difference, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say it is, oh, I can't, let's, well, we don't know how long Cooper was in non-existent though. Okay. So. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
but if it is quote unquote linear there, I mean, there is a two hour difference to where if it's just nightfall in New York, it could still be late afternoon, very early evening. Sun is still up uh, in mountain time. So yeah, but even, I mean, so, but even like to anchor us in, okay, so the Sam and Tracy stuff is happening at the same time as this stuff with Mr. C. We still don't know what day, what actual time of day or the date, but just to kind mm-hmm. of say like, do we think those plots are then happening sort of at the same time? But you're right. Who knows how, who knows how flights work in non-existent? <laughs> I mean, without- I don't think they're happening at the same time, but I can't say okay. why because they're spoilers. But I, I like mm, where you were going okay. with that. But I started thinking ahead, and I don't think they're happening. I think Cooper okay. in the box is just something that's happening outside of time, even within time. If that right. makes any sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm honestly open to it happening at the same time or not happening at the same time at all. Like either answer is fine with me. It's just something that sparked for me when thinking about timelines and how it will all fit together if it does. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I got major motion sickness through like when everything started shaking all, even when he floated into non-existent and then when he floated in and out of the box, like a camera um, shutter, I was like, okay, I need some Dramamine. Like, (laughs) wow. I love it. I mean, I was here for it. I love I love moving through non-existent. I know you like the space too, Mel's, but the motion oh, of I it do, is a different yeah. thing. Yeah. Also, I had thoughts earlier in the episode that Cooper having to leave the lodge when the arms said it was time to go and him ending up in non-existent in some weird way was supposed to coincide with what Hawk was seeing in the woods at the sycamore trees. But I don't, that's also not possible in my, I I don't, I just, I don't know if I can get on board with that because, and I'm only using that as an example, or I'm only saying that because of how everything appeared in that part of the woods when it was time for Cooper to go into the lodge. So it was like, he's exiting. Does that mean like all, all this is appearing now at this spot, you know, in the woods in twin peaks but i don't my head hurts i don't know i can vibe <laughs> with that where's the tile at mm-hmm. all where's mm-hmm. the tile at all i think i've always said this about the return i think what you're saying does actually make sense though like it seems whatever act like uh hawk says there's supposed to be something happening out here tonight maybe he is referring to the fact that he maybe doesn't know what's happening inside of the lodge, but if Coop is leaving, maybe that triggers something with the curtains. I don't know. Like, I kind of like what you're saying there. So, okay, let's go to New York on um, Tracy and Sam's death day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is also super fucking cool. The fact that for some reason, Coop's journey through non-existent takes him to the glass box and then he like seeps through it dissolves through it and then is inside of it I mean it's just incredible and then I don't know how you guys explain this but the box does something with him or with itself it like 
it like multiplies, but it's not multiplying because there's still just only one Cooper. But it's like the box is multiplying backwards and then multiplying forwards. And well, that's what I was referring to the camera shutter because it mm. not only sounds like that, but it, it also yeah. reminds me of those old timey cameras when they yes. would pull the thing and and it would come in and out to get like that close uh, close up or whatever. But that's what it felt like to me. It almost felt like it. it yeah, like do do do, and there's all the cameras in the room. The whole thing yeah, is about like, being documented. I mean, that for sure makes sense. And I think those are called accordion cameras, so that's like perfect. That's it. Yeah, and it also kind of felt like, in a way, like the box was trying to decide what to do with Cooper. Like it didn't know like if it was supposed machine. to go back or forward or what. Like, am I supposed to eject this thing? Like, is it supposed to be here? Yeah, it's super weird. But so fucking great. I love the fact that it lines up with this moment where, you know, Sam has one job and he's failing to do the job in this moment. And who should show up in the box but Cooper? And this is what I mean. Like, is Tracy the tell her she got the job? You know, she and her of that conversation. Is that Tracy? And did she just not know that if she went in that room, did she not know about the sex demon summoning part or whatever, but like she was sent to be a distraction. And then again, like we can't really talk too much about certain parts of this because it's kind of spoilery, but, but was she sent by the lodge? Was she maybe not sent by Mr. Todd and whoever Mr. Todd works for, but was she sent by the lodge somehow so that nobody would see Cooper going through the box and he could continue on in his journey to wherever the fuck he's going next? I think she found a Craigslist ad um, that was super <laughs> kinky. Yes. And that's where she got employed. Great. I like it. I like it. I love it. <laughs> okay. I have something super crazy. Okay. Just go with me on this. Okay. We're going. Mr. C knows he's supposed to go back to the lodge, quote unquote, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that, but he knows that he's supposed to do this and Cooper is supposed to come out. So if Mr. Todd is employed by Mr. C, then Tracy could have been a plant by them in some way for them to miss Cooper being in there, even though that then discredits what's the use of the cameras because somebody is reviewing this. Like, it, like, somebody had to have seen it at some point, but regardless, I mean, if that comes up, we're not there yet. But that would distract. And then what were they supposed to let Cooper out of the box at that time? I don't know. So there's, there's one part of this. The other thing that I have brewing in this brain is that the box was not set up for Cooper, he happened to get dumped there in some weird way, but really the box was meant for this sex demon. And the reason why the box freaks out like it does when Cooper enters is because he's not supposed to be there. And so it pinballs him literally out of it. But because something has been triggered like an alarm or something in that box, the sex demon does at some point show up and and is not contained. I don't know where I'm going with anything nope, past it's that, all making sense. But so most like Cooper didn't belong. That's not for him. He didn't belong there. If he was supposed to be there, why wouldn't he have done? What well, wouldn't have happened like the sex demon thing? I don't know. 
I really like that. I was thinking, and I don't think this is because we've already talked about Philip Jeffrey. So it's not a spoiler that he is involved in some capacity. What if he hired Tracy to distract, um, to be a distraction? And that way, when Cooper was there, they weren't paying attention. Oh, I like that. Carl, I think that's a great take, especially because within this very same episode, we learn that Ray and Daria were working for Jeffries, or that at least Ray had been in contact with Jeffries, right? I mean, I can't remember yeah, exactly I think everything that's, that's said in the phone call, but that I think that's where it's not spoilery at all because we do know yeah. that Jeffries, we don't know anything about him other than what we know in Firewalk with me, but we do know that he's involved. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a lodge thing. We just know that Jeffries is involved and he's working against Mr. C. Exactly. And that's what I mean, too, is that we already know he's employing people to work at cross purposes to Mr. C. So if he was the one that sent Tracy, because I mean, even in this episode, he does say or the arm says to Cooper, he has to come in referring to Mr. C before you can go out, Cooper. Right. So Mr. C trying to trap Cooper is not that far fetched. Like, I don't think that's a super spoilery thing to be working with either at this point, because we know that one of them has to go back in. And Mr. C says, I have a plan for that. So, yeah. 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 I don't know that we cracked any cases, but this this felt good. I liked this conversation. <laughs> I feel a lot lighter. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, over at the Palmer home, Sarah enjoys some educational nature programming. Mm. Poor sweet Sarah. Okay, A, I think we've all talked about this. We know the Palmer home obviously went through some renos, okay? It doesn't look anything like what we remember it to look like. Um, I think Sarah's also got these mirrors everywhere. So I think that we can, because we used to, or we've talked about through Fire Walk With Me and you know, Leland drugging her, Bob drugging her, whatever. I mean, like, is she trying to catch, like, Bob's reflection in a mirror? Like, this would be, like, Sarah's state of mind right now Mm. because she's, like, still smoking, chain smoking like a fool. Now she's having her Bloody Marys like a fool. And she's just watching these animals get mauled on her TV. And I was like, lady, jazzercise. I don't know. Get get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Get out of the house, okay? Yeah. Go work at the zoo. That's all. Her. No. The Palmer house looks <sighs> as bad as Chantal's motel room. Yeah. 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 And it's, but this is much sadder, obviously, because we know the context with Sarah. I mean, yeah, the amount of cigarettes hasn't really changed since Firewalk with me, but she doesn't, she just doesn't look good in it. It hurts my heart every time I see it. So, question for you guys. The footage of these animals feeding, feasting, whatever. Do you think that's happening? Do you think Sarah's watching that at the same time that Sam and Tracy are being murdered? I'm going to go yes on that. Uh, Listen, it wouldn't surprise me. Let me just put it that way. All right. Uh, I, I dig it. I really love that question. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt, that's what's happening. All right. Ah, the roadhouse, where you can have a beer and meet up with old friends. Just so everybody is clear, we can now establish that the roadhouse is an alternate reality because in this reality, James is cool, okay? Now we know the roadhouse is not real. 
Okay. <sighs> okay. Here's the thing. Also, Jacques Doppelganger is hanging out there too. <laughs> so it's so weird to see. I mean, it's so perfect to see a Renault behind the bar, but you're immediately like, okay, what Renault is this? Like, is Mama Renault still around, still popping out babies? Still popping out turds left and right? Turds left and right. Okay, guys, but here's the thing. I got to be honest. I have to speak my truth. I've never, ever, ever thought this before on any rewatch of Twin Peaks. And I've, this is, you know, we all know this is like multiple, multiple times through. When Shelly looks over at James and says, James is still cool. James has always been cool. I believe her. I believe her. I don't know what's going on, but I believe her. It shot right to my soul. And I was like, yeah, I think she's right, though. What do I need help? I believe she's saying it with conviction. But also, when have we ever seen her with James? I know. I know. Okay, I understand what you're saying, Jasmine, because it's the way that she's looking at him. Um, That makes me believe that in the span of the 25 years that we have been out of Twin Peaks, Shelly has maybe had some sort of, not relationship, but Friendship. like doings with yeah. James. Doings. She, I don't even know if it's a, <laughs> but like she's had some um, run-ins with him. But I'm thinking that something happened surrounding this motorcycle accident because uh, it's not, I don't know if it's so much that I feel like she believes that he's always been cool as it feels more to me like she feels sorry for him. In some capacity, it's the way that she's looking at him like he was in a motorcycle accident. He's always been cool. You know, just kind of like don't talk about him. Something happened to him and it messed him up. And so we're just going to go with he's always been cool. (laughs) If that makes any sense. It does. It does. Yeah. And I did wrote that the hair was definitely elongating his forehead. It is much more proportionate here because the hair is much shorter. That was a faux pas of the 90s flat top. Okay, I totally agree. I think he looks better bald. Something else I was thinking is all of the women that are talking about James seem to be new to Twin Peaks, which is also weird because who goes and lives in Twin Peaks new? But also it's a it's a population of 51,000. So, you know, there's just tons and tons of people there. But <laughs> aside from all that... I feel like it was more of a protective thing. Like they have a shared trauma. There's these women that aren't familiar with their history, making jokes about him. And it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, her being protective and also Mm -hmm. kind of a way for the audience to also speak through Shelly. I also noticed in the meme community, you always see James was always cool. And this is the first time I realized no one actually says that. No, right. yeah. He's always been She's, cool. He's always been cool. Yeah. But I think, Coral, I think what you said earlier makes the most sense to me now. Like, it's probably the line reading from Match and Amic where it's like, it's so genuine and it's so, like, I almost think like she's saying it about, like, the actress is saying it about the character or the actress is saying it about the actor. There's like a lot of love behind the line where I can't dismiss it. And I, I'm not misremembering that James has been given stupid lines and stupid storylines, but I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's an original and he's part of this important story. I mean, he was Laura Palmer's boyfriend. She legitimately loved him. Like he is not unimportant to this story. And I'm glad that he's back. I'm serious. When I say this, like all jokes aside, it felt 
very good to see him. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get and then you get the the line and, and everything from Shelly. And it's like, OK, it, it feels good in some weird way. And I know we give James so much shit, but I just think it was like teenage 90s James. that was just awful. And I, I've said this before. I know when you get to the return, James, I'm much more here for the return, James, than like childhood or like teenage like Crimea river 90s james you know and it's been 25 years so that happens you know but um it's the whole yeah, scene though like too I, like being back yeah. in the roadhouse seeing faces like shelly and james it's the whole thing is feel good it feels yeah. like it's from the original stuff it's a great scene to end the episode on because you're like oh my God, Shelly has a kid? Who's this British guy that James is hanging out with? Wait, James has always been cool. Um, the Roadhouse gets really fucking cool bands now. Like what is going on? Give me of, more. And the ghost of Jacques is behind the bar. We've got I a mean, new Renault. Like cool yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only downer, the only downer in the whole scene is whoever this fucking man is that is finger gunning at Shelly because that ain't Bobby. Oh, yeah. That is not Bobby. No. Not cool. I know. That's who's not been cool. Never (laughs) been cool. Not once cool. Red has never been cool. Never been cool. Anyway, this is such a great way to leave us wanting more. I love the chromatics. I love this song. I feel like the first few notes of Shadow get me the way the theme song does. Yes. I love when it kicks in. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. All right. Well, we're obviously going to head into our spoiler slash connection section. But before we go there, Coral, where can people find you? And is there anything going on in your world that you want to chat a bit about or? Everyone can find me on Instagram at Wholesome Peaks. And the only thing going on in my life right now is yellow jackets. Yes. (laughs) Although by the time this airs, yellow jackets will, I think, be over for the season. But that's okay because it's been renewed for season two. So it can still be. A part of our lives. Honey, for it's a while. got a five season arc. Okay. I've been on it mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. All right. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, won't you please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform? You know, we like five stars. Whoop, whoop. Yes, please rate and review us. Uh, word of mouth is good as, as well. Um, tell a friend about the podcast and let them tune in. Um, you can find us on the socials at Damfine TV. We're mostly on Instagram. We're trying to get better about Twitter, but ugh, sometimes Twitter's like Mr. C. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Superficial Mels. And you can find me at Damfine Witch. And we also have our Patreon page, patreon.com slash TV. We have video versions of some of our Twin Peaks podcasts. We have special bonus content. We have a private Discord channel. We send out stickers. We do shout outs. There's so much happening. Come check it out. And for anybody not joining us in the spoiler slash connection section, we'll see you next week for part three. Super excited for that one. And we are back in the spoiler slash connection section. All right. Well, okay. I say, I say guests first. 
So always Coral. Do you have anything this week for the spoiler slash connection section? So much just happened that I don't know where to start. And I feel like I'm going to forget everything until you two start talking. I do think, oh, Sarah, Sarah Palmer. I think for sure with what we know about Judy, Sarah Palmer's absolutely watching the same show as, um, as the the murder is happening. The sex demon murder. Slash Judy. Yeah. Well, it is. It's literally Judy that's murdering them. Yes. So, if if that is th- your theoretically, yeah. So yeah. if you are on, so not literally at all. I mean, if you subscribe to that, that that is Judy, and so Judy is taking out Sam and Tracy, which is great. I don't love. I don't hate. I don't. I try to like walk You're down the middle, but whatever. But if Sarah, I mean, if Judy is somehow inhabiting Sarah is the cut to her watching this wildlife, like, feasting. I mean, this feels like a clue. This feels like a direct connection to me. That's why I wanted to ask you guys before, do you think it's happening at the same time? It could be, like, astral projection. Ooh, yes. Ooh, I love that. Well, oh, my gosh. Well, now I'm wondering if, because we have seen Sarah looking in a mirror in Firewalk with me, but we don't see, like, like when no. Bob inhabits Leland. I'm just thinking, like, does she have all these mirrors in her house because she's trying to see if Bob shows up? Or is she trying to see when she's Judy and when she's not? I don't yeah, know. I, I do I know just what you think mean. There were so many mirrors, mm-hmm. but maybe she's projecting herself through a mirror dimension into New York. With Sam and Tracy. That's so crazy. <laughs> no, I, I love know. that. I love that. <laughs> well, I like this idea of the, yeah, I, I like all of that so much. And it was really within this episode that I saw a lot of my theory that Judy is the evil that women do kind of coming up a little bit more. Like if we think, what is what is Phyllis? Who is in Phyllis? Or is Phyllis just kind of a shitty person, but she's a woman, right? And then we have Chantal, who's working for Mr. C. I mean, that's a that's not an innocent position to take. That's not a good position to take, right? Then we have this cut to Sarah, who people have theorized are is inhabited by Judy. But like, what if Judy is all of these women or somehow in impacting all of these women? But anyway, it it did feel like a huge clue to move from the stuff in New York right to the Palmer house. Yeah, for sure. Because really, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to the mirrors. What we see distinctly in the mirror, because I feel like it showed this on purpose, is the reflection of the TV. Mm-hmm. So it just it seems like, yeah, like it would be the a two-way mirror type situation into what was happening in New York in some way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. cool to think about. I like that. Sarah is just so different outside of just her going through all the shit that she's been through. But like, what has she been doing for 25 years? You know, it's like she's in a dank, weird version of her home, which just seems like some evil entity would be living there anyway. That's what it feels Mm. like, you know? So felt like the outsider that, you know, uh, when we went into the cave and the outsider and uh, mm, you saw mm-hmm. that doppelgangers, you know, the lamp that we thought, how did they plug it in and get electricity <laughs> in the cave? But yeah. uh, 
But that's what it felt like. It's just a dank, like some evil spirit is like living in in there. So, okay, we did touch on this a little bit, but I do feel like Ray being in prison is fully a setup, and because of that reason, I do feel like Daria was. It's even worse because I think Daria was always meant to kind of just be taken out. Like I don't, I don't know that. Ray and Jeffrey's ever really had a place for her in this plan, you know? Like I think she yeah. was just meant to be what do they call it? Like she was disposable. Yeah, she was disposable. That's a really good word for it. Um that feels callous enough for the way that Daria is dealt with. But yeah, this feels like even Mr. C looking up all of those details about Yankton Federal Prison for some reason you know, like, I don't think it's being flagged because he's obviously not using Cooper's sign-in or anything, but I feel like something was pushing him to look that shit up and they can, like, and they being, I don't know, Jeffries, the FBI, I'm not sure, but this was a setup to get him to look that stuff up, to get him, I don't know, moving in that direction so he could be arrested, I guess. Like, I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way she just kept saying, all right, well, are you like, okay, now is it time for you to kill me? It's kind Mm -hmm. of just like, I mean, you know, she had accepted or like that was what was going to happen. So um, Mm -hmm. I do believe it's totally a setup because of what we see obviously coming up, you know, in the future with Mr. C and the prison and all of that. So, okay, let's talk about that card that Mr. C shows Daria. Could you guys tell if the thing in the glass box has those like little ear things like on the card? I cannot. Okay. I want to watch the glass box again. I did not ever catch antlers or anything like that the first time, but the shape of the head is, but it also looks like the shape of the art, the evolution's head too, to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I did like I looked up some screenshots, but all I could find for sure was that the whatever the thing is in part eight that like barfs out Bob, that has the little things like on the card. It has little ears, little antlers, whatever. But I couldn't find any. This is how I found the Michael Sarah <laughs> screenshot <laughs> that I sent to you guys because I was trying to just find photos because I was too lazy to rewind, obviously. But but yeah, so I couldn't make out for certain if that was the case. But that would be that would be a good connection if it in, if it indeed does have those little ear thingies. I'm thinking it probably might be hard to tell because mm-hmm. of the way it was glitching and everything yes. in that moment. But I mean, I do want to see that scene again and see if if you can slow it down and find anything in there. But um, all right. So nope. next thing is when the arm says two, five, three time and time again. This for me sort of helps to prop up my theory that the meeting with the fireman in the first episode is a warning. Like to me, this is the arm being like time and time again, Cooper, you keep thinking that this is going to help you, but it's not. I don't know. It's just, well, I like that. I I like that. Cause it's well, you know, you know, my thoughts on him being in an infinite coma loop type thing. So right. it's almost, it lends to that too, where it's like, okay, time and time again, like, like two, five, the three fireman said, 
Yeah. Well, also, yeah, like the fireman said, like, remember Richard and Linda. Remember, yes. you know, and it's like, because you've done this so many yeah. times, Cooper. Mm-hmm. I mean, because on, like, I love the logic of it's 2.53, which adds up to 10, the time of completion. I mean, sure, why not? But honestly, that's gobbledygook. And like, it's not helping you, Cooper, in your mission. So quit it. <laughs> Just stop. Oh, my God. Uh Oh, and then my last thing here was when I was talking about how all of the sound sort of colliding together when Cooper, when the floor was coming apart in the red room, that it, that it sounded circusy. Upon closer listening, I was like, is this the sound of like slot machines and casino sounds and stuff that's, I don't know, permeating through somehow? Ooh, I like I it. I love that. I'll have to listen again because, like I said, I, it was very motion sickness right maybe i'll just play it with my eyes closed and listen yeah but it is it is like um yeah i mean like like it's got those weird like ding ding, ding, like yeah Yeah. but it's kind of slow it's kind of creepy like the reason i was thinking circusy is because it was giving me freak show vibes like the opening Mm -hmm. credit sequence but and uh that's all i've got um, for me, and it does not, it, there's no way it could add up because we know Margaret passes before, well, we, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there because we don't know what time is what is what. He, when Hawk comes up on that in the woods, is that coinciding with Cooper because Cooper technically left the lodge, even though he went into non-existent, into the box, and then he's going to be dropped into the mall, you know, all these other yep. places. He technically left the lodge, but is this signifying when he crosses and tries to save Harry Page? Or is this when he comes out of the, when he inhabits the Dougie? Like, there could be so many times that i i feel like because like cooper Hmm. technically left the lodge but he didn't inhabit something until he came out of the electrical socket Mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's obviously not just nothing but i'm just i'm I'm trying to piece together like at what point in cooper's journey into becoming cooper again is hawk seeing this because see this is where i get very confused because it was very clear direction that you cannot leave here until Mr. C gets back in here. But he also gets out of there before Mr. C ever goes back in. So like. Well, we were talking about this earlier about when he's in the car accident. Is that taking place at the same time as the box incident? Right. Cooper is going through the electrical socket at the time that he's having the car accident. So they're switching exact same time. So we do know that, if I remember right. correctly. Yeah. So they do switch. It's just a matter of, because I Dougie guess. Because Dougie and Mr. C are both barfing up whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that grunk. Well, yeah. So I just feel like what Hawk is seeing has to somehow um, be related to something that's happening. I don't know. I Was agree with that. Cooper ruffle the <laughs> curtains the whole time. What Hawk like, what Hawk what? sees has to somehow relate to something that's happening. I mean, yeah. 
But you know what I mean by yes, that? I like, do, all, but it was just a I funny way to thinking, put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I kept thinking was Cooper keeps ruffling these curtains and Hawk's on the other side. I'm like, who's, all, who's ruffling these curtains? Like, that's why I think oh, it's God. not in sequential order when, with what just happened with yeah. Hawk, Andy, and Lucy. And honestly, to figure maybe it's maybe it's before all of this. That's, that's I mean, spiritual. maybe he is tapped into something like because once again, your log and I are on the same page. Well, yeah, because Margaret brought you up to speed earlier today. So what do you mean? Like, so you got on the same page. Like, I just don't think it's in the sequential order of the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department story. Yeah. Well, this episode was uh, dedicated to Frank Silva, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, did anything else spark for you, Coral, or did we kind of hit all all the beats? I think we hit everything. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. It was so good to have you back on an episode, and I feel like, you know, we obviously had fun when you came and joined us for that James nonsense, but I think this one was a little more fun to dive into. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love the return. The return's what made me fall in love with Twin Peaks. So I'm very happy to be here. Love it. Well, if that's all for this week, we need to be. I I, I, I don't need Mel's want. Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And if you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) 